Thank you, Pastor Sam. Thank you, congregation. You can be seated. Thank you. All the campuses watching. We've had the privilege the last couple of days to minister at some amazing equipper uh, congregations in Christ Church and uh, Dunedin. 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 And uh, uh, just give you a good report. God's moving all over New Zealand because of what equippers movement is doing. You're a part of something that's shaking a nation. And uh, next week, Pastor will be in England. I'll be with him there. And, and all across England is awakening. Europe is awakening. And Equippers Church is a part of this great awakening season. So would you, um, you have the remarkable privilege to belong to a church led by young apostolic leaders that everyone respects and everyone identifies as world shakers and history makers. Would you tell your pastors, Sam and Kathy, how much you love and appreciate them today. They're awesome, awesome, awesome. Come on. I love your pastors so much. They are some of the kindest people that, that we have met. And your hospitality is amazing. The other day I said when I first got here that uh, I said to Pastor Sam, you know, my dream would be go to go to Hobbit Town. I've heard about the Hobbiton. See, I said that wrong. I've heard about it. I've seen the movies. I love miniature things. And he said, well, you know what? <laughs> We're going to make your dream come true. And he did. And yesterday we got to go. And I want to thank Leon and Ben that drove us there to Hobbitown. It was everything I ever imagined. My life will never be the same. For real. It was that magical. It was just magical. And they made it happen. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to come on this trip. It's such, such a blessing. Um, thank you for everything. Another funny story. This morning we were about to come and my husband all of a sudden yelled out, oh my gosh. And I said, what happened? And he, I ran in there and his belt had broken. We're real. Just in half. In two pieces. I mean, I couldn't fix it. No. Couldn't glue it. Couldn't staple it. No. It's done. So I'm like, okay, don't panic. Don't panic. Um, although this could be kind of scary and terrifying what could happen as you're speaking if we don't remedy this. So right away we get here, and I don't know where they found it because I usually have to go to the big tall and the big man store, sorry, honey, to buy a belt. So I thought, I don't think they're going to find one, you know, big enough. Sorry. But... Miracles again happened, and they found one, and it, and it was a new one. I thought they were borrowing it from someone. Then I was going to worry about the person they borrowed it from, but they found one. And so thank you, thank you again. <laughs> anyway, I just, I just want to encourage you. You know, we were going through kind of an a emotionally difficult season right before we got here, and right as we were going to get on the plane you know, just feeling a little weary. And how many know God can use anyone to speak a word to you? It doesn't matter who. So if you don't get a word from him today, you know, God can use anyone out there to bless you. It doesn't have to be just from him. So we were at the ticket counter of American Airlines, and the little ticket lady all of a sudden started prophesying to us, you know, at just exactly the word that we needed to hear. And I was so glad we were so kind to her because actually some things had gotten messed up. And, I, you know, like you're so glad because you never know who you're going to meet. Then all of a sudden she said, I visited your church a year ago. And I'm like, I'm so glad we were kind with that situation. <laughs> For real, you know, you never know. And so 
she started prophesying because I started crying. And he used this little tiny American airline ticket lady to just bless our life, encourage us. We got on the plane. We felt lifted up, um, you know, because anxiety in the heart of man weighs it down. But a cheerful word picks it up. And I pray today that you are blessed and you feel lifted up from the words that my husband's going to speak. He's awesome. I love you, honey. I, I think you should preach. I'm ready to sit down and listen to you. You're on fire. We stayed up a little. We stayed up till halftime to watch the All Blacks massacre the uh, Australia. They end up winning, right? It was they were killing them at halftime, and I, then I started feeling bad for the Australian people. Uh, and um, the guys from Christchurch told me to wear this Crusaders. They, they told me it would bless you guys. I, I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. I was misled to what would happen with that sachet. You all doing good this morning? Man, Jesus is alive. What a great worship team. Thank you, worship team. Always so awesome. The worship from Equippers Church now is going around the world. Think about that. Thousands of churches singing the praises that came out of this church. And it's just the beginning of more and more creative expression in the body of Christ through this amazing ministry. And uh, Mary and I also really love coming here because we pastor a multicultural church too. We have 150, over 150 nationalities in our congregation. Just think about that for a minute. And uh, it's, it's giving the devil a black eye. As you know, in America, there is the resurrection of racial tensions. Because whenever the gospel, the light of the gospel is dimmed, the oppression of the culture will rise, the darkness will rise. And the old powers are kind of resurfacing. But the church in America is in a quandary because the vast majority of the church cannot speak to an issue it hasn't conquered itself. So in America, the churches are either all white or all black or all Latino, but not Church for the Nations. We, I'm, I'm a minority in my own church. It's a wonderful thing. And uh, God's, we're, giving, we're showing the world what heaven's like on earth. And that's when all of us come together. And the other part that I like that's, that makes us feel home here is that we're a multi-generational church, that we have young and old together, and that's just a great testimony to the leadership and the DNA, the culture of this church, and what God's called you to do, because this church is going to do some things in New Zealand that other churches can't do, because they haven't conquered racism, they haven't conquered problems in the country. But you're, you're sh showing the country how everyone can come together in Christ. And because you're doing that, the, 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 the long-term success of your influence is just going to increase more and more and more in the years to come. For a few moments this morning, I'm going to be speaking a word called, You Shall Not Pass. And uh, you might recognize that. And I'm excited today. We're going to break some curses. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a curse breaker. Just tell him that. Come on, turn the other way and say it with some fervor. I'm a curse breaker, man. 
I just have a little minute-long video. I'm going to begin my message with. Let's see if we can watch it here on your beautiful LED screens. Servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. The dark fire will not avail you. Flame of Uldun! Go back to the shadow. again I'm a curse breaker say it yeah I thought you'd like this movie made here inspired me a few months ago and uh, thank God for the beautiful country listen you live in the most beautiful country in the world and the more we get this we haven't even been to, to Queenstown yet and some other places but man oh man is it gorgeous here you shall not pass, Exodus chapter 20, the Lord is giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, and as he does, there's commentary on the commandment of no idols, and here's what the Lord said, you shall have no other gods before me, verse 3 of chapter 20, you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything in heaven or the earth or the sea, you won't bow down, you shall not bow down to bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting in the iniquity of fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me but showing mercy to thousands the idea is generations showing mercy to thousands of generations to those that love me and keep my commandments in scripture this principle is taught at least four times in the Old Testament that there is a penalty for idolatry that becomes a a passing down of a generational curse a family curse a predisposition to some kind of difficulty in life and it all happens because of idolatry and idolatry in the bible means more than bowing down to a little stone idol idolatry is when we refuse to repent of a habitual sin in our life and we exalt it above the lordship of christ 
So anything in our life that's more important than Jesus is an idol. Anything that we won't respond to conviction by the Holy Spirit, we've made an idol by our own choice of behavior. And those idols then create open doors for demonic powers to come into families. And these familiar spirits then are passed down. So you'll see the same behavior in a son that's in the father or in a daughter that's in her mother. You'll see the same kinds of things emotionally, mentally, behaviorally physically, disease-wise, uh, mentally-wise. And so there's a passing down of these kinds of troubles. That's a truism. The Bible says it's true, so it's true. But we know by empirical evidence in science, in, so in social sciences, in psychology, in sociology, that it's also true that these traits run in families. And we would all be in big trouble except someone came to break curses. His name is Jesus. And in Galatians chapter 3, the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is the penalty for breaking the law, which would be part of the curse that God spoke in Exodus 20 of a generational iniquity passed down. So any predisposition you have to be subject to a bondage from the devil to Christ Jesus, you have a redeemer. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because it is written, cursed is he that hangs upon the tree, in order that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, and that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. So God has given us a curse breaker in Jesus, and God wants to know, listen, you're legally free, now God wants you experientially free. He wants you to claim your freedom. The reason why Equippers Church is going to be a curse breaker for the nation is because you've broken curses in your own life, in your own families, in your own story. And because you're breaking curses here, God's going to allow you to break curses all across the nation, all across Europe, all across Asia, all across the nations of the world. What you've done in private elevates you and gives you a platform to do it in public. The victories you win in private when no one is watching gives you a platform in public to win victories when everyone is watching. And I tell you this, God's looking for some curse breakers. Come on, turn to someone and say, I'm a curse breaker. In Ezekiel chapter 18, the Lord is making a commentary to Ezekiel about this same concept and God says, I'm so tired of this stuff. I'm so tired. Here's what he said in verse 1, Ezekiel 18. The word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you mean? This is a colloquial phrase that had been accepted by the culture. Something that was embedded in expectations among generations. What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, but it's the children's teeth that are set on edge. So God says, you see it as a pattern. You see it as a recognizable family trait that these things are passed down. And here's what God says. I'm tired of this nonsense. As I live, says the Lord, you will no longer use this proverb. All souls are mine. The soul of the Father, the soul of the Son is mine. And the soul who sins shall die. God says, I'm going to break the curse. Turn to someone to say, the curse is broken. Come on, say it like you mean it. The curse is broken, man. So God's given us freedom to walk in a liberty that 
that shows the world what Jesus can do. Shows the world what a transformed life. See, see it's easy to say, well, you, you know, that's just my family. I got a little anger issue. They're all hotheads. I just inherited this. You got to live. No, no. If you come from a family of hot-headed, angry people, you're supposed to change it. Well, that's just my family. All the men in my family, you know, we just like the ladies. And, and, and you know, the men just like to fool around. But you, my friend, don't have to be subject to that curse. Why don't you break it? Well, Pastor, all the women in my family are depressed. You know, they're always sad. I know, but you're in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, you're free. And God wants you to walk in a liberty. You don't have to. Listen, just because the devil sent it doesn't mean you have to receive it. Shondai. Just because it comes. Special delivery. Yes. What is it? Depression. No, I, I'm not going to sign for that. Go away. I'm not going to take it just because the devil sent it. I'm not going to receive it. I'm going to stop. Listen, we break curses by breaking our agreement with them. I said this. I guess I was. I said this last year. God can't do it until you say it. And God wants you to say things that are out of the normal, of the conformity of the culture of this nation, of this culture, of your family, of any kind of constricting environment that tries to keep out the promise of God, keep out the liberty of God. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, praise God for preachers. You have one of the best preachers in the world, Pastor Sam, one of the best pastors, and Pastor Kathy, you have a great church. But the greatest testimony and the most powerful witness to Christ in the world is a transformed life. Man, just let Jesus change you. Let him give you love. Let him take that anger out of you and make you a big teddy bear. Let him make you kind. Come, come on now. If you can't be kind, be quiet, okay? If, if you can't be kind, be quiet. In Judges chapter 6, there's an important scripture. It gives us kind of a story of someone that had gone through the, what we're just talking about. His name is Gideon. Now, I want you to read with the Judges chapter 6, verse 24. And the uh, Bible says, Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. Yahweh shalom, the Lord is my peace. It's really the place where Gideon made his peace with God. This is an important thing. God's already at peace with you. Let me say it this way. God's already at peace with New Zealand. So, so our message is, make your peace with God. He's already at peace with you. God's not at war with the sinner. Jesus came to die for sinners. God so loved the world. And our message is, God loves you. God's not at war with you. God's not your enemy. Come to the God who loves you, who wants to be your friend, who died for you, will give you new life and a freedom in this life. And you can live in his glorious kingdom on earth and then go to a glorious kingdom in heaven. So that's the message. And so he made his peace. And the Bible says, on the same night the Lord said to him, verse 25 of Judges 6, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. And cut down the wooden image that's beside it. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement. 
And take the second bowl and offer a second sacrifice of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. Because he feared, he did it at night. And, and so he, he, he did what God told him to do. Now this is an important place. Gideon had already been assigned by an angelic visitation. You're called to lead your nation out of Midianite oppression into freedom. And so Gideon finally, through fleeces, through this angelic encounter, you see, he makes his peace with God and says, okay, God, I'm ready to go. And here's what God said, before you can go forward, you've got to go backwards. And God said, you can't conquer a stronghold in a nation until you conquer the stronghold in your family. And so Gideon, your daddy wouldn't do it. I need you to tear down daddy's devil. And up, up on this hill would be Baal and Ashtaroth. There would be other expressions, um, Dagon and Beelzebub, kind of the four deities. But it was common in the Philistines' worship structure that in their worship practices, they would practice uh, horrific immorality. So there would be prostitutes that would come from the temple. There would be sex allowed outside of marriage that was inappropriate. And that was a part of the worship service. That's why church was so popular. How was church today? That was awesome, man. Okay. Sex at church. So God says, listen, your daddy's power, your daddy's spirit needs to be broken. And if you can overcome evil with good, if you can separate yourself in the same place where the devil's done the worst thing, I want you to build the best thing. In the same place where there was an altar to Baal, I want you to construct an altar to me. I'm here to tell you that if you'll let God, God will make the worst thing in your life become the best thing in your life. If you'll give God a chance, God will take what the devil meant for evil and he'll turn it for good. Mary and I know what that's about. We've watched God help us recover our lives. You guys know our story. It's really the story of a faithful God. Gideon did, he tore down his daddy's devil. Now, interesting thing, later in the chapter, that his father gives him a surname, a new name. Verse 32 says, therefore on that day, he, the father called Jerubbabel, say saying, let Baal plead against him because he's torn down his altar. So, so Gideon means to chop down a tree. It means to, to be a feller, a fighter, to chop things down. Jerubbabel means to chop down the idol of Baal. And so when you come to Christ, God doesn't take your personality away. He redeems it. If you're a fighter, God doesn't want to take the fight out of you. He wants you to find the fight you're called to win for Christ. And, and often in life, people are struggling in the wrong arena because they haven't found their redemptive purpose yet of God taking their personality. God likes your personality. He likes your quirks. He likes your uniqueness. He likes your distinctiveness. He likes your gifts. He, 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 he'll use who you are. And he'll help you find significance and value and meaning and fulfillment in being who you were always meant to be. Come on. There is hidden in your natural gifts is the revelation of your spiritual purpose. And people, you can't get there, though, until the Father renames you. 
I'm his son. I'm his child. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. Hallelujah. Okay. We break curses by refusing to enter into agreement with them. So in, in the name of Jesus, I break the curse of premature death off of everyone in this room and listening. And stop saying that people die in your family in 50s and 60s, stop saying, well, that's just my family. That was your family till you came along. My friend, you're a curse breaker. Well, Pastor, suicide is in my family. And my first ministry here three years ago I was so honored to speak at your shout conference, one of the greatest conferences in the whole world. And, and I'm walking on the stage, the Lord said to me, uh, uh, put down your notes for a minute. There are people in this room that will kill themselves today if you don't immediately minister to them. So I walked to the stage and I said, someone's planning on killing themselves today. A girl from this church was radically delivered named Jazz. And God's done a 33 people ran to the Ford just like that filled the front. And I don't care how many suicides are in your family. I don't care how many destructive behavior uh, uh, examples. You're the curse breaker. You don't have to be like them because you have a new DNA. You've been blood washed. I break the curse of cancer, and I declare if cancer raises its head against you, you're a curse breaker. I break the curse of mental illness in your life. You're a curse breaker. Don't agree with it. The devil's a liar. Don't submit to it. Well, it's just in my family. So what? You're in a new family. Oh, it's in my bloodline. No, you're in a new bloodline called Jesus Christ. You're redeemed from the curse. Gideon conquered what his daddy would not conquer because God had called him to do some great things. Now, here's an important statement. It's really simple. But I want you to lock into it because it's really true. The strongest devil you will ever face comes from your family. It's not the one hiding up there in a mountain somewhere in New Zealand or in a cave or in the boiling mud. I can't wait to see those places, by the way. It's not a bunch of witches in it. No. The strongest bully you're ever going to have to defeat is your family bully. And he's strong because he's had generations to build momentum. So you see, some people have these overwhelming thoughts, these impulses, these, this darkness. I, I don't know why. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why. It's because there's a, a spirit that's come through your bloodline. And, and God wants you to identify it. God wants you to break your covenant with it. And God wants you by the blood of Jesus to defeat it. We overcome generational curses by these three things. Removing any agreement with them. Number two, claiming our absolute freedom by the blood of Jesus Christ. And number three, by intentionally behaving in the opposite way. In Romans chapter 12 verse 21 the Bible says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Everybody say opposite. So God's will for your family is to do the opposite of what the devil's done. Whatever kind of mess the devil's created, God wants to do the opposite in a blessing. Well, Pastor, I, you know, Pastor, I want to know my destiny. Well, just look where the devil's attacked your family the greatest. That's where God wants to bless you the greatest. So the opposite spirit is when every time you forgive someone that's hurt you, 
you're doing good and overcoming evil. You're walking in the opposite spirit. Every time you love unloving people, Jesus did not say love people that love you. He said love your enemies. Love unloving people. Do good to those that have done bad to you. Flip it on them. Give cold water to those that have cussed you out, spit in your faith, and taken your money. Overcome it by putting on the opposite spirit. Years ago, Pastor Sam, I was the associate pastor of my father's church. And I was a young man, 26 years old, and um, things were going good. And, and on a Saturday, I was praying uh, before the Sunday services, and I was also a worship leader. I was praying, and I had an open vision. And in the open vision, God showed me the elders of the church had a, were having a secret meeting at that moment. And they were plotting to divide the church the next day. So God showed me where they were and who they were. And so I called up my father and told him, okay, the elders are having a secret meeting. God showed it to me. Here's where they're at. Now, my father is a Marine. Okay. So my father is 80 years old. He's still a tough guy. No, uh, no kidding. If you mess with my father, he will knock your head off. So when he, for years he was a pastor, and, and he, as a pastor, he tolerated only so much nonsense. Really, come a little closer. Kaboom. My father knocked someone out at my wedding, just to give you an example. It's, it's true. I, I mean, KO'd him. My father, the preacher, the Marine. And so I was raised by a tough guy. And so he's still a tough guy, and so I'm calling my, my Marine father. I said, Dad, now here's what's happening. So I get him in the car, and, and so I'm thinking, you know, this could end really badly. Because it doesn't matter how many of them there are. I got me a, you know, an, a skilled killer in the car right next to me with a certain temper. And so I said to my dad, I said, Dad, the Lord showed me, Galatians 6, that if we would put on a spirit of gentleness... <laughs> That when we walked into that room, we would win. Because love never loses a battle. And so my dad looked at me and said, I think you're right, son. And so I led my dad in the sinner's prayer. I mean, I led my dad in the prayer. And, and, and we said, Lord Jesus, we put on the spirit of gentleness. Gentleness is in the fruit of the spirit. Love and joy and peace and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, self-control is a part of the, mate, the nature of God. And so my dad, I saw him, a little tear coming down, good Lord, I put on gentleness. We come into that meeting, we knocked on the door, those guys were shocked, they had the hell scared out of them. Or into them. And so they opened the door and, and, and immediately four of them repented. They said, man, we're so sorry. But one guy, short guy... Came right up to my father, nose to nose, and started screaming at my father. And I started counting to ten. Uh-oh. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Because I was just expecting what I saw my whole life. But we had put on a different spirit. And my dad let that little guy scream at him for about five minutes. And finally he was done screaming. And my dad said, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you haven't been good enough, Pastor. That they all started crying. No one left the church. The whole church was healed because of that. Because we overcome bad stuff with the good stuff. The answer to the culture, listen, you can't conquer hatred with hatred. You conquer hatred with love. You can't conquer hopelessness 
with cynicism and hopelessness in the church. We conquer it with hope. Everything the world doesn't have, God has more. Than. Listen, the fruit of the spirit you need the most is the one your family has the least. <laughs> okay. Okay. So some of you are just naturally happy. But, by the way, you really bug me. You happy people. Wake up happy. Someone showed me a picture of their, my baby wakes up every day happy. Well, good for it. Some of us don't wake up happy every day. We got to work on it. I put on the fruit. I put on the joy. I put on the praise. I put on re revolution. I put on the music. Start dancing. Get my groove on. Loving Jesus. Thanking him. Entering to his gates. Putting on joy. So, so uh, it, 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 it's important because if, if you're not careful, you'll let the, the, the negative parts of your personality dominate your kingdom identity and steal your destiny. You just keep putting on joy, man. Put on the opposite. Put on the opposite. Well, Pastor, remember Peter? Peter comes to Jesus and, and, and Peter is feeling really spiritual. Have you ever had a day when you felt really spiritual? Yeah, I had one a couple of years ago. So Peter's feeling so spiritual and he comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother at every day? Seven times? Because Peter's thinking, if someone misses me seven times in a day, that's a lot. And Jesus said, I don't say seven, I say 70 times seven. And Peter is going like, what? If you have to forgive someone 490 times, you're either married for them or work for them. That, that's, that's about the only thing that can happen to them. So, so Jesus said, you don't understand Forgiveness is never not an option. You're always to overcome bitterness. Mary, I was depressed and heartbroken, and our church was devastated. And the Lord said, if you forgive people, I'll make you forget the pain they've caused you. And I made a list, and I forgave everybody on it. And Jesus Christ took the pain of my heart away when I forgave the people that put it there. Tell your neighbor I'm a curse breaker. Come on. Last scripture, Jesus said in Luke 11, when a strong man, a demonic principality, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when someone stronger comes upon him and overcomes him and takes from him all this armor in which he trusted, then he divides his spoils. Jesus, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus always wins. When we have our faith in him. And we have liberty, not just, not just theoretically, not just theologically, not just philosophically. We have freedom now in this world. As, as he is in that world, so are we in this world. We are the righteousness of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. Old things passed away, all things become new. All things from God who is given us this freedom. Come on, say it again. I'm a curse breaker. Father, I pray in these last moments that you would wake us up and that you would stir our faith, that you would arouse our hearts 
to absolutely know and claim the liberty, the freedom that we have because of Jesus. And that we would today say enough is enough. Come on, say those three words. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough. Today I'm putting my marker down. I'm putting my foot down. I'm making a, a today I am making a bold declaration that I'm not going to be a prisoner of my family's stuff. I'm not going to be locked in the pain of the past. I'm not going to allow the devil to win anymore. Jesus, the beautiful native people of this country are going to be set free because of what Jesus has done for them. And they've been looking for someone to show them an example. And God's raising up Equippers Church as a multicultural expression of what Jesus can do and set people free. I promise you. The best is yet to come for this church. The best is yet to come in your life. God, I thank you. Would you, uh, just for a few moments, would you stand with me if you wouldn't mind? I don't, I don't normally do this. I just feel kind of led to do it today. Jesus, I feel your great love for this church. Beautiful country for these beautiful people. It's overwhelming. I'm humbled that you allow me to represent you. But I pray in this moment the Holy Spirit would descend like a great wave and carry us to the shores of freedom. Take us someplace. Carry us away. Thank you, Jesus. If the Lord's been speaking to you in this message, you can say, Pastor, today I'm going to claim my freedom from a generational curse because I'm a curse breaker. Some have already done this, but there are people in this room, I promise you, that things are going to shift today as you trust God. If you say, Pastor, that's me, would you just come to the front? I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to prophesy over some of you. But you say, Pastor, today I'm claiming my freedom. I'm a curse breaker. And today I declare boldly, enough is enough. Yeah, just come forward if that's you. And we're just going to give the devil a black eye in this service. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You had to squish up front and spread out if you wouldn't mind. And thank you for your openness. Thank you for your integrity. And thank you for letting Jesus touch you. Yeah, someone fall. Everything's going to change, son. Everything's going to change. It's like a journey that's halfway through and God says thank you for by faith, believing me, trusting me. Thank you for by faith entering into what I have for you. I'm proud of you, the Lord says. I'm proud of who you are. And God says, this storm comes to an end today. There was against your family a painful season of loss and injury, but it ends today. I'm blowing it to the sail of your heart. I'm loosing your lives, both of you, into a realm of freedom by my spirit. And everything's about to change, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, keep worshiping, Lord, everybody. Thank you, God.
We claim freedom. We claim freedom. We claim freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Would, would you raise your hands to heaven with me, everyone up front? Would you repeat this after me? Heavenly Father. Just say, uh, Heavenly Father. Today I claim what your son Jesus died to give me. I claim freedom. I claim healing. I claim deliverance. I claim liberty. By the blood of Jesus, I stand today against every curse in my family. And I thank you, Jesus. Those curses are broken. I bind them. I rebuke them. I cast them out. And I say, I'm a curse breaker because Jesus has anointed me to break curses. And I say, my family will be free from every curse. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Come on, give God a shout. Give God a shout. Give God a shout. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. It's no accident, Pastor Kathy. It's no accident. You ended up in this city. You ended up in the ministry. You ended up here. Your husband, your journey. So many surprises, so many unusual things, so many things. All the while, you just kept saying yes to God and kind of laughed. You have such a great spirit. You have such a great joyfulness. You have an authority. You have a dominion. And for so long, the devil has always shaken in fear of the dominion you carry because you're anointed to unlock prison doors. You're anointed to see captives and there are islands and there are nations and there are peoples who have been kept in darkness and in bondage in cycles and patterns of curses for generations. And God says, I'm so proud of you, my daughter. You've allowed me to make you into something beautiful, something outrageous, and something glorious. And I'm going to use your testimony as an example, as a pathway for a generation that's looking for a way to escape their pain and come into their promise. As your heart has cried out, not just for your family, but for your people. As you stand here, a nation's being touched, and curses are being broken, and glory will once again be seen. God, thank you for this awesome woman of faith in God.